0: Can't help but tell what He's done for me. I lift my soul, gave the victory. Set my footsteps walking right, gave me eyes to see the light. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. And in my in my let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the hills I'll let the my eyes. I'll Let the my eyes. i let the up my eyes. i let the up my eyes. I'll lift up and left the old oh, yeah. left the church, Rejoice. left the church, Rejoice. left the church, to be exceedingly glad. This day, this is the day that the Lord has made.
1: Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. We welcome you this morning to the lesson, uh, which of course is the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of God. As we have been these number of months studying this uh, the Gospel account, if you will, we are actually in chapter 15 uh, of this. And, of course, the time frame is is the very last few months of, uh, actually the very last few days, uh, you might say, of Jesus' earthly ministry. We've been covering uh, uh, the last few weeks and months in just the recent chapters. But we leave off or where in uh, Chapter 15, as we learned last week, we're up from the upper room and we're starting our journey to the Garden of Gethsemane, as we know. We know now a place where Jesus and the disciples went many times to, for the evening, cool place to rest, that sort of thing, and uh, last week we, we had a teaching uh, from Jesus concerning the vine. The, um, the vine dresser and the branches, and a, very, and a very wonderful lesson, uh, ended off by him repeating once again um, his new commandment to them. In verse 12, this is my command, that you love one another according as I did love you. So he keeps repeating this. You know, this uh, is—it's not that um, they had forgotten, uh, or Jesus wants to just keep saying this. The fact is, this is how we we deem importance, and this is how we actually retain as we hear it and we hear it again. It's emphasized. I can imagine that the tone of voice that Jesus spoke in when he was repeating this command was um, more of a command-type statement. It, it's not just a suggestion. Um, it, it's, uh, <laughs> everything's optional for us because we have free will. But it's not meant to be optional. It's meant to be the very strongest command that he can give those that are calling upon his name as messiah and that is the key so today we're going to be reading um first we'll read verses 13 through 17 and then 18 through the end of the chapter which i believe is verse 27 now um here we're going to find uh today that the relationship between jesus and the disciples that he calls his servants um, is going to change into a relationship of a friend, like a family friend. They know the business of the family. This is a big change uh, for them. Here, they have been uh, watching, listening to Jesus, and serving his needs and the needs of those that he uh, was talking to and speaking to. But now we're going to find the relationship changes. The other point is that Jesus, in verse uh, chapter 14, and now 15, and it'll even continue, Jesus is going to be talking about the the comforter, or as we know in the Greek word, the word is actually paracletes, and um, we're going to talk about that Uh, today, uh, towards the end of the chapter. So these are the new things. So verses 13 through 17, let's uh, see what's been said. Remember, Jesus is speaking. He's speaking to the eleven. That's a clarification that we need to, to always keep right there in our thinking. Greater love than this hath no one that anyone his life may lay down for his friends. Now this is a proclamation from Jesus. Uh, This isn't a question or it's not a uh, just a uh, verbiage. It's a proclamation that they need to understand. Verse 14. You are my friends if you may do whatever I command you. No more do I call you servants, because the servant hath not known what his Lord doeth. And you I have called friends, because all things that I heard from my Father I did make known to you. You did not choose out me, but I chose out you. And did appoint you, that you might go away and might bear fruit, and your fruit might remain. That whatever you may ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. Verse 17. These things I command you, that you love one another. Again, we repeat the the phrase, right? Because it's all capped on this. It it all, this is the, uh, uh, you might say the premise. Um, Without this understanding, without this actually being a reality, none of these other things have any validity. And friends, what difference is there today as far as the Lord's Church? If we violate this idea, this thought, this observation, it's it's the atmosphere of the Lord's assembly that we need to continue with. Now, in verse 13, Jesus is prophesying of his sacrifice, of course, dying for his friends. Also, he died for those that knew him not, that knew not God, that that, that hated him. But all had opportunity after his resurrection to make amends, repent, and be baptized and brought into the family of God from the proclamation of the Father in heaven and, and his hand involved. So, Jesus prophesying of his sacrifice for the people of God. The word love is agapen, which is the noun... And it is, of course, uh, uh, the new word for love—the word introduced by the Lord Himself from heaven, if you will. Now, how do we know this? Because this Greek word is not found in Greek literature before this time. It's not found in the Septuagint. It's not found in uh, Philo or any of the other uh, the Jewish writings or the Greek writings, as far as that goes. This is a love that is beyond the philanthropic love that was the highest form of love um, known in, in, the, in the world at that time, both to the Greeks and, and to the Jews. Well, what's philanthropic? Well, philanthropic is that, that someone who has would give to someone who has not, but not because they were told to or forced to, but because they wanted to. Now, that's a high form of love but it does not come close to the agape love that has demonstrated through Jesus Christ to the world on the cross and on. And that's that's the issue. So um, there's more that could be said about that. I would invite you to study that word yourself and find out uh, I would uh, first I would read uh, Bullinger's uh, New, New Testament uh, Greek uh, concordance and um, exhaustive actually, uh, and I look up that word love. He has a wonderful writing about it. And in verse fourteen, here we find one one more time a qualification that Jesus has put on the uh, the eleven. To have what he's just promised, you know. First, he he qualified uh, the, the idea of if you say you love me, you will you will obey my commandments, the, and, and you can't have it either way. Now he's qualifying as friends of Jesus, one that also does whatever he commands, such as the new commandment in the in its entirety. What the meaning really means? It's a short short phrase, but what are the limits of agape love? By the way, that's the word used in this new command. This is the new standard, if you will, for the brethren, for the the Lord's assemblies, for the kingdom of Christ in the kingdom of God. This is the new revelation from heaven that there is a love higher than man's good-natured Ability to give to another that has less. came okay, it's quite as a surprise, I imagine. Nonetheless, this is the new standard. In verse 15, uh, we, we have uh, the idea of friends again. And he says, You, that is second person plural, speaking to the eleven, you I have called friends. That's the apostles. To them Jesus revealed all the Father had said to him. You know, that verse right there is foundational for the Lord's church because we uh, we follow the apostolic principles, the apostolic teachings of the apostles from Christ to us. That is our constitution, if you will. Now, what's that, that word friends mean in the Greek here? I wanted to know. And we have the idea here of uh, love or loved, beloved, if you will, dear, befriended. It also has the idea of kind and kindness. And, and one that is a lover of friendship. That's the that's the concept of I have called you friends. Uh, is that a that's a slight departure from servant, isn't it? And even even servants are well treated, even servants are protected, even servants are respected. But here, friends are on a higher order, even yet. So I would suggest before you delegate the concept of friendship on someone you need to make sure that these qualifications are present in their character in your relationship if you will so um, I think because of all of this that the world of man should listen to the apostles of Christ I hope you agree I um, if they do, they'll soon soon come together and be a part of the family of God. Now in verse sixteen, Jesus makes the idea of the foreordaining of the apostles. Now I'm going to read a scripture to you this morning that is is strong in this and we need to understand it. The apostles of Christ were foreordained unto the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. The same, the same born of heaven experience that every Christian has. But there was more because they were the first. And they had a task to do for the rest of us, if you will. Uh, the word uh, might here in this verse. Uh, let's see. That you might go away <clears throat> and might remain is the idea of uh, abiding, continuing in, uh, in, in, into the Lord's work, basically. So the word might here may seem like some people use that as an optional phrase. They might do something. Well, that's really not what it means here. That's not the original meaning of it in the Greek language. I know we use it in English in a little different way, don't we? Uh, you know we're giving ourselves a room to decide not to do something that we're gonna we might do it. Well, that's not how it's used here. I just wanted to clear that up because it's important in our understanding because we're English speakers and readers. All right, I want to read from Ephesians chapter one. Uh, verses three through twelve. I'll skip the introduction. I wanted to also uh, mention the fact that in the Greek, uh, there isn't even a breathing uh, place in the in in all of this right up till verse uh, I think it's verse uh, thirteen. It's all said in one one breath, which, by the way, is how we can. Tie the pronouns to the nouns and not have to worry about losing the antecedent, um, losing the idea, okay? All these things are true, you see, in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Is that going to change? We're going to find that it doesn't Uh, to the saints. Now, the salutation is from heaven in verse 2. That the, that the Apostle greets them in, in in respect to the Father and the Son. But here he says, in verse 3, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who did bless us. Now, okay, we have first issue here, us. Who is the us? Is that the general statement of all living? Or does it have a specific... Well, it, it is specific. The us here is referring back to Paul and the other apostles. There's no no other thing, and, and it's very clear in the Greek. We can't, we can't, now, we'll, we'll find as we read on that we couldn't include ourselves in that us, if, even if we wanted to. All right, so let's move on. Who did bless us, the apostles, and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ now you see why the us needs to be understood and known every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places well let's read on according as he did choose us remember Jesus was talking about being chosen the apostles were chosen according as he did choose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. You got the word before, right? Before the foundation of the world. The apostles were chosen. That's why I call it uh, foreordation. This is, of course, God knowing things before they occur. It's not an ability that we have, but we have to allow him to have it according to the word, for our being holy and unblemished before him in love. All about the apostles. Verse 5. Having foreordained us, the apostles, to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to do good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, in which he did make us accepted in the beloved. Now, the us is the apostles and the beloved is the Christ, in whom we have the redemption through his blood, the the remission of the trespasses according to the riches of his grace, in which he did abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us The secret of his will. You see how important the us is here, friends? Where did we learn the secret of God's will? From the apostles. apostles, As declared in the scriptures, and the mystery was revealed. That God would make two, that is, the, the people of God, the Jews and the Gentiles, into one in Christ. That was the secret. It was revealed by the apostles. It wasn't revealed by Jesus or an angel or anyone. It was revealed by the apostles. The us. See how important the us is? According to his good pleasure that he purposed in himself, in regard to the dispensation of the fullness of the times, to bring into one the whole in the Christ. That's the mystery. Both the things in heavens, in the heavens, and the things upon earth in Him, in whom also we did, the apostles did, obtain an inheritance being foreordained according to the purpose of Him, who the all things is working according to the counsel of His will. This is the will of God we're talking about here. Verse 12. For our being, the apostles, to his praise of his glory, even those who did first hope in the Christ. Now, friends, who was it that first hoped in the Christ? It is the apostles and them all by themselves. Now, others soon, very soon, were there. Because verse 13 now is the first place we have a break between the uh, the us being the apostles and another concept we have the word you here that is the people receiving this letter the church in ephesus he says in whom you also you the christians in ephesus having heard the word of the truth the good news of your salvation in whom also having believed You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of the promise. And it goes on in that light. I hope that you can see because really, friends, if this was being taught in the churches, we would have so much less misunderstanding um, of the Scripture. And it's not that difficult. If I can do it, anyone can do it that can read. So, I think this is the explanation we need. We need to understand the work of the apostles, and you know, we we have um, the New Testament that speaks of some of the apostles and some of the things that they do, and we don't have a, a, a biography and a, a a uh, travel log of all the apostles and all that they did but what were they told to do that we have <laughs> we have that friends we know their task we know their task and what they were called to do jesus said to them you are my witnesses in jerusalem in palestine and and everywhere in the known world. That's that's the phrasing, basically. That was their task. That word uh, witness, by the way, is the word where we get our word martyr. In other words, you are my witnesses. You will witness for me, Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Son of God, and it will cost you your life. That's what they heard when when Jesus told them that you are my witnesses. That's not what I heard the first time I read it. I knew what witness meant. I'd watched uh, Perry Mason on television. So I knew what a witness was. But I had no concept of what he actually said to them and what they actually heard. And how many of us do when we read it the first time? Well, I think this is incredible. Now the idea is that they, the apostles, would go away because you see Jesus was going to be going as we read in chapter 14. But they were to go away and bear much fruit. And why do they want to bear much fruit? Because in chapter 15, at the be- last week we talked about the vine. If you're, a, if you're in the branch, if you, if you are the branch in the vine, and you bear no fruit, guess what happens? You get pruned. You get pruned. And if you're unproductive, you get, you get cut off and burnt as chaff. You know, these things aren't just uh, uh, little, uh, little stories that are supposed to tickle your ears. This is the reality of Christian life from the very beginning. God... He owns the land the vine grows in. The vine is his son. The branches were the apostles. We are those other branches. And on and on it goes. You want to find yourself in the Gospels. We're right here. We're this fruit. Mm-hmm. Two thousand years later, with the word that the apostles, that was uh, that was among their most significant and important mm-hmm. tasks, if not their most significant and important task. You know, I'm glad you said that because that reminds me of the of the really the thought here. We are looking for ourself in the Bible. Don't tell me you're not, because you are. You're looking for the place where you are that applies to you and things of like that. It's very hard in the Old Testament. There are a few places. but here, as Alex said, we find that we're the fruit of those that Jesus is sending out. And that ground and that vine and those branches still exist and so do all the other branches. So instead of including ourselves in the us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 12, instead of forcing ourselves into the us there, let's make sure we understand that we are the are part of the you in verse 13 those that have heard the message from those that first believed I I don't think that's too difficult it doesn't minimize it doesn't uh, lessen us it doesn't elevate them they had a task to do so do we verse 17 the work of the apostles was what? preaching the gospel, establishing the assemblies in Christ, doing the work of reconciliation that men might be reconciled back to God through Jesus Christ, through the terms of pardon, the gospel message, representing, they were representing the Lord and his will to everyone who would listen. And so we do today in the same light not as the Apostle but if we're representing the the the, the God's will and the Lord's work for the world we are saying exactly what the Apostle said second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 the 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 apostles command to the evangelist it's still there friends even on television, you can't do it any other way. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy the Evangelist, chapter 2, verse two, Second Timothy, And the things that thou didst hear from me through many witnesses, these things be committed to steadfast men who shall be sufficient also others to teach that's the whole thing right there that's how it works that is the if you want a program that's the program uh, if you cannot do less than that or more you'll be in violation you don't add your own stories to the many witnesses that came from the apostles all right all right now, you need to write that scripture down and, and keep it in, in your mind. But I think this is the important thing, and Jesus has been em- emphasizing it, the new commandment. These things could never have been accomplished by the apostles apart from the new commandment of Jesus, that they would love one another accordingly as he did love them. If you think about it a while, I think you'll realize that if you are following that commandment, you'll be able to do the things necessary to promote the gospel. Because the gospel is not something that's coming from you to someone else. It's coming from heaven through you to someone else. There's a big difference. Have you ever seen a a church built with uh, the name of Somebody else on it? Well, they're around. You ever walked into a church and found the p- big pictures on the walls of the preacher and uh, some of the other uh, executives on the wall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that's about as far as their authority goes. What happens when they die? Well, I shouldn't probably get into that. So, I think, friends, when we consider this, as far as the work of evangelism in in our generation, teaching the Bible and being in Christ's assemblies, we cannot accomplish anything apart from this self-same agape love that Jesus has commanded. These things I command you that you love one another. That's Jesus' word to the apostles. Would his word be less to us? No, because the apostles have taught this as the new commandment for the the church. Now the church is desperate to bring the Ten Commandments for the Jews into the church so they can what? Point the finger at somebody who made a mistake. The Ten Commandments, friends, are completed in this in this one, one command. And uh, we'll learn more about that. I have a couple of scriptures uh, that we're going to read concerning that. We're up to uh, verse 18 through 27. We need to, uh, I think, go ahead and read them. we got a few minutes left. In our lesson, we're not going to get done today in this chapter. I apologize, but I don't believe that we can go uh, run over some of these things too quickly. Jesus speaking to the eleven. All right. It It hasn't changed. And it shouldn't be changed for us. We need to listen to what he said to them, and we'll have a, a better idea of the situation that we have because of this, the original issue. All right, verse 18. If the world doth hate you, that is the apostles, you know that it hated, that it hath hated me before you. Oh, they were going to learn very well how how much the world hated Jesus very very soon verse 19 if of the world you were the world its own would have been loving and because of the world you are not but I chose out of the world because of this the world hateth you so what's he saying here if you were one of the The uh, fellows, uh, a member of the Pharisees or the Sadducees, you'd be well liked. But because you are mine you will be hated. Have we seen that during our study of the Gospel of John? We have seen that. Verse 20. Remember The word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his Lord. If me they did persecute, you also they will persecute. If my word they did keep, yours also they will keep. But all these things they will do to you because of my name. Now remember, the name means Nature, the essence of who the Christ is. Not his given name that he walks around with. All right? Because they have not known him who sent me. Okay? Jesus has said this a number of times in this gospel. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they were not having sin. But now, pretext they have not for their sin. See, they have no excuse for their sin at this point. Verse 23, He who is hating me doth hate also my father. That needs to sink into the cults in this world today who claim to be loyal to God in heaven and yet ignoring the Son and the Apostles. Verse 24. If I did not do among them the works that no other hath done, they were not having sin. And now that they have both seen and hated both me and my Father, but that the word may be fulfilled that was written in their law, they hated me without a cause. That was prophesied through David. Verse 26, And when the Comforter, or the Paracletus, which is the exactness of Christ in the spiritual form, may come, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who from the Father doth come forth, he will testify of me. And you also do testify, because from the beginning you are with me. All right. we got a few minutes to examine some of these scriptures. In verse 18. Um, I guess we could say on a verse like that, the apostles and even us... um, If the world hated the apostles, they will hate the Christians, okay? Um, Then I think you are, as we have a phrase uh, that we always say uh, about certain things, you are in good company. Uh, So if that's your situation, you've been saying way too much about the truth of God's word. It's going to bring on a little bit of hate or um, isolation, the world has a way of uh, doing things that you become a persona non grata, isolated, no one remembers who you are, <laughs> and they don't care where you're at. How many fulfilled prophecy preachers have been thrown out of, thrown out of church buildings? Right. It's sometimes the, you know, the truth will set you free. Sometimes it frees you from the assembly also. You find yourself outside. But that's not God's fault. It's not the Lord's fault. And it's not your fault. It's just how things are. Remember, the Messiah of God was put on a cross and crucified for the what? Because of the truth of who he was. And all these things were accomplished that man may have a remedy for their sin the big picture, friends, that we never have, but God always says. So if the the world doth hate you, you know that it hated, hath hated me before you. I think we understand that. Verse 19, which I believe is the, uh, this is the reality of the war for the minds and hearts of mankind. Even though, God's pardon the gospel of Christ and what God has done for the world we think of John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son remember that you know the world loves that verse but they don't want to do anything with it so the idea here is the idea of hatred um, is, is there. It's part of the experience, if you will. Because when you are in Christ, you are not part of the world. The scripture says that being in Christ is to be have your citizenship is in heaven. That's your home. When you pray, when you think of heaven, you get homesick. You ever been homesick? That, that's the feeling that we should have concerning uh, our home in heaven. But it's also the reality of that the war is persistent. It was persistent um, from the, the first word of the gospel message the apostle preached and those that responded, believe me, they had difficulties because of their choice at that time. Imagine Naming Christ as the Messiah of God and living in Jerusalem amongst the Jews who had just crucified him. You think you got it tough? This was the situation that the people have. We still have it today. Verse 20. I want to reread it again. Remember the word that I said to you. That's Jesus talking to the apostles. And we need to listen and remember also, a servant is not greater than his Lord. If me they did persecute, you also will they persecute. If my word they did keep, yours also they will keep. You see, that that statement is absolutely true even today. When we have assemblies, when we have churches that have great struggles and disagreements within within them and they split and break and all these things. What is happening? Somebody, somebody has rejected the truth of Scripture. And normally, hopefully, there's somebody on the other side that their words, their argument is approved of God. Their argument is the word of God and it's clearly seen. We can solve all of our difficulties by going back to the Word. It doesn't matter our experiences, how many degrees we have, or any of the other things. All of that is meaningless compared with the foundation of our faith. Remember the Word that I spoke to you. That will be sufficient, friends, for all that we need in this life. But first, to remember it, we need to know it, don't we? And that's what we do here every week. It's a powerful truth. In verse
0: 21,
1: we find that many in the world of men shall reject God's terms of pardon and his Messiah. But why? Why is the question? Many say, "Well, it's it's so it's so wonderful. Why would anyone reject it?" Well, there has to be a reason, doesn't there? Well, we can take the the accounts in the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read how the people reacted to Jesus. We had we had two groups. There was probably three. There was there's always that group that doesn't care either way. All right, but. And we won't try to n- give them a numerical number because it's impossible. But certainly there were those that believed Jesus and, and was, uh, was hanging on his every word, the miracles. But there were also those that were violently opposed to what he was saying and doing. We find this all the way through the Gospels. Do we find it today? The same three groups are there, friends. But the truth is the truth. All right? It's it, Jesus says, but all these things will they do to you because of my name, because they have not known him who sent me. So we can make it very clear here. What does that mean? They hate. They hate. They want to reject and they want to ignore the very nature of the Christ. He was a man that did nothing but good, said nothing but good. Many times he was very bold, and he was also angry when things were done that were ungodly. But they hated his nature, and worse, I think they hated his mission. What was his mission? He had a message from his Father from heaven. Oh, they did not want to hear it the mission of Jesus the Messiah. That's that's what the gospel of John's about. That's what all the gospels are about. That's what the apostles was preaching. God has sent a Messiah to the world. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. That's the first reason they hated the apostles. They hated Jesus, his his words, everything about him. And number two, they knew not God. And and <laughs> although they they say they know God, they say they are God's children, and yet in the Gospels, they rejected what God had done for them by sending His Son. What were all the miracles and all the things that Jesus revealed to the Jews? You know, today... People try to use miracles, so-called, to um, elevate their position. They want you to believe what they say because of a so-called miracle. Can God perform miracles today? Well, he can. But men never did. Jesus himself performed no miracles. The Greek is clear. Every miracle Jesus performed, he did he did because the Father gave him the ability to do so. Not randomly, but each time for a purpose. And the purpose was, of course, to confirm that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah. Did they all believe the miracles? Where were all the miracle believers when Jesus was nailed to the cross? The miracles had just had, had occurred, all of them. In the last three years, there had been countless miracles. There were people walking around that had been brought back to life by Jesus. Did that prevent him to, from his crucifixion? No, it didn't. But isn't that the heart of the problem then and now? Is not they don't know God. that's that's, that's right. That's key. They know not God. The will of God was is to, He created man, and in, in Genesis chapter three He He prophesied that men would have a redeemer and that Satan would be crushed and destroyed. It's exactly what occurred through the work of Jesus and the Church. We are out of time today. We'll pick it up again in um, verse twenty-two. Uh, and continue on to the end of the chapter and beyond. So I bid you uh, a good day. We, we do pray from, from here that you will have a blessed week as you are serving the God, the Father of all, and that you will be mindful of the will of uh, his will and of the words and mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.